Look at uh, Matthew chapter 11. Can we uh, bounce back and look at a passage? This is to help us for next Sunday morning on Bring a Friend Day. This passage from Matthew 11, uh, verse 16. Let me just begin by reading it. Uh, Jesus has been criticized for uh, spending too much time with sinners and um, not enough with the Pharisees and teachers of the law and the religious people. And he says to him in verse 16, what, how can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge or a funeral song and you didn't mourn. In other words, he's saying it, it's like, you're criticizing me for spending time with sinners, but John the Baptist came and he was hard. He was like the law preaching a message of repentance and you didn't repent when he came. You didn't respond to him. I come and I'm bringing grace and goodness and love and spending eating with sinners and it's like you can't satisfy you. You don't want to play with like a funeral and you don't want to play like a wedding. So he says you're like a bunch of kids. It's just petulant. You don't want to do anything. Verse 18, for John came, neither eating or drinking, and they say, well, he's demon-possessed. But the Son of Man, he comes eating and drinking. And they said, ah, look at him. He's a glutton and a drunkard. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus says, wisdom is justified by her children or her deeds. She's vindicated by her results. So when we talk about next Sunday being uh, Bring a Friend Sunday, um, what, what exactly do we want to do? and What is our rationale here? In uh, Luke 19.10, Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. But in this passage, what you get is that God will use extremes. He uses... Um, both funeral and wedding, both sorrow and gladness. He, he, will, he goes to all extremes in order to reach out to us. 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 21, Paul said to the Gentiles, I was like a Gentile. When I was with the Jews, I was like, as a Jew. I didn't order a big side of bacon for breakfast when I was with the Jews. So I was with the weak, I would try to accommodate the weak. In other words, he said, I have become all things to all people that by all possible means I might save some. That was his passion and his priority, was to reach out to them. And the extremes were there. Paul said, I, I, I want to use every tool available. Now, but Jesus, what Jesus gives us here is his primary strategy. Look at verse 19 again. 
the Son of Man, talking about himself, he came eating and drinking. In other words, he would spend time with them. Jesus seemed to use friendship evangelism, cultivating a relationship. Um, One of the things that the New Testament seems to teach is that conversion, although it happens in a moment, is like a birth, which does, which although it happens in a moment, it is preceded by several months of growth and development. It's like a harvest in which you have seasons. A harvest is in a day, but the, the seasons which prepare and the fertilizing and, and the cultivating and the water and the sunny days that are all necessary so that their time and events lead up to the moment of the harvest. He uses the idea of courtship. You're married in a moment. But John 6, says, No man can come to me unless the Father draws them. What is it to draw? How does God draw us? And the word draw is actually a courtship term. Um, when he says, No man can come unless the Father draws them, he means to woo them. Um, the Song of Solomon in chapter 1, verse 2 he says, uh, now, now this is a little risque, but bear, it's in the Bible. He says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more intoxicating than wine. Because of the savor or the fragrance of your perfume, your name is like an ointment poured forth. I think of your name and I can almost smell your perfume. Therefore, young women love you. You smell good. And then she says, Oh, draw me, and I will run after you. Draw me. See, unless the Father draws them, it's a courtship term. God doesn't just come on you and impose himself. He he woos you little by little. He wins your heart. We had, um, in, uh, when I was in Texas, we had, I had a good friend of mine. In fact, I, I named my son uh, Ken after him. He was a pastor friend, and uh, we went to school together and knew one another. And he was a little older than me. And uh, he ultimately went to Winnipeg, Manitoba, up in Canada, to pastor. Started a church, great church, tremendous church. And, uh, but he was single. And one day, uh, he was, I think he was almost 40. And he came to visit us in Texas. And I had in the congregation this beautiful young lady. She just graduated um, from the university. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to get those two together. Because he was very youthful, very energetic, and very dynamic. And I thought... They, they would match. So I said, Ken, let me introduce you to this girl. Take her out, buy coffee, just, you know, hang out a little bit. I, ta- I called her up. Her name was Linda. We got them together. 
So he was all excited, all spiffy, and went out. Late that night, he came home. Came back to our house. He was all down. I said, Ken, what happened? He said, she said no. I'm like, no. If no is the answer, what was the question? (laughs) You're making me nervous here. He said, she said no to the proposal to get married. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm pastoring this family. You got Surely you didn't ask her to marry you. Yeah. Never met her before. First date. Would you marry me and move to Canada? I said, are you nuts? <laughs> but he did. And she said no. She also said, I never want to see him again, and don't you ever set me up on another date. (laughs) One of the things that we do is we we want to get people married when Jesus wants to date. He wants to take the next step. He wants to woo and win their heart, and we want them to hurry up. But Jesus is very wise. See, the deed, the results are justified. The wisdom is justified by the results. If we let Jesus do it his way, the results will vindicate his strategy. That's what he means right there in that last statement. Wisdom is justified by our deeds. The method I'm using, Jesus is saying, the Son of Man comes eating and drinking. I, I sit and drink and eat with them. And we hang out. And I win their heart. Now he didn't compromise his life. But he did win their confidence. And they, they liked Jesus. They did not like Pharisees. So the Pharisees couldn't win them, but Jesus could. What we want to do next Sunday is go to a friend and say, we're going to have this big meal. You get an extra hour of sleep. We're just, all we're going to do is bring you in, feed you, and it'll be a happy time. We're bringing the good news of Christ and give you a great meal, extra hour of sleep, and send you on your way, and God bless you. Just, we just want to bless your life. That's what our plan, that's a strategy for next Sunday. We, I draw it from Jesus' strategy. Wisdom is justified by and vindicated by her results. Um, now when we look at this, uh, what does this, what do these kind of uh, high attendance days, bring a friend days, special event days, when we try to mobilize people to do to bring somebody and show up all at the same time in the same place. Let's get everybody together in one Sunday and everybody bring somebody. Let's all have a big meal. And what do those big event days actually accomplish? So, and here's what I've noticed over the years that they do. Let me just give these to you. We'll, we'll pull them up. Benefit, benefits of a Friendship Sunday. One, it reaches new people. Um, 
Studies have shown that 80 to 85% of all new people in church, churches that grow come because a friend or family member invited them. Now, and think about yourself. Um, how did you get here? Probably a friend invited you. Over at Bristol Road, we had one of these about a month ago, and, and uh, it was the best one we've had in a long time. We've got a, we had a couple. They've invited a, they invited a young man um, who had just started a new job, and he's been coming for actually now for several years. And he invited a new couple, his boss and, and his girlfriend. And uh, he works at a cemetery. Um, the boss does. And they were getting married. So they invited me to go and do the marriage last night. And they told me this week, it's a Halloween theme. I said, what, what does that mean? He said, well, everybody's going to be dressed up in some character. And, <laughs> and when I got there, see, he's over the cemetery, Flint Memorial Park. He's actually over the cemetery. And, and, and it was kind of out in the cemetery. And they were dressed up like Frankenstein and witches. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and they were, they, everybody had a beer. So they were happy to be there. And a guy walks up to me. I had, I had my black coat, black shirt, my little black book with me. And a guy walks up to me and he says, So, you came as a preacher. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, I did. But I want to tell you, those people were so much fun. Of course, they were three sheets in the wind, but they were still a lot of fun. And we ate together. They had a big meal spread out, and we ate together. And I got up, and, and, and we, I performed a covenant ceremony. But it, when I was doing, uh, it was so festive that when I began the ceremony, I said, uh, now the Bible teaches that we're put together in a marriage covenant. This is a covenant ceremony. And I said, I myself have been married uh, 39 years. And uh, I was in a covenant with all three of those women. <laughs> and, well, okay, they thought it was funny, all right? But, but it is fun to hang out with sinners. Jesus just entered right into that and enjoyed them. They enjoyed him. And this morning in church, now this is a couple that has not been to church in years. Years. He said, I'd given up on God. They both came to church this morning after getting married last night and brought another couple with them at Bristol Road. This is a strategy that works. The, this wisdom is justified by its children. That's what Jesus said. He says, he reaches, this, this reaches new people. Secondly, reaching out to new people, bringing a friend, eating with them, secondly, pleases God. 
I think that our concerted effort to do this next Sunday pleases God. You know why? Because God is about reconnecting with lost humanity. He wants to reconnect and he wants to use us. And I'll tell you something. I believe this. I believe there's a lot of people out there that God has stirred their heart and they have a yearning to reconnect with God but they don't know where to go or how to do it. That's where we come in. We will be the mediator between them. And I know Jesus is a mediator between them and God, but we're, we're just facilitating their reconnection with the God of heaven. So it pleases God because he loves them and he wants to be reconciled to them. Third, it puts the church on offense. This thing, the church can turn inward, you know, and just become about us. If we do that, that's a mistake. Anytime you turn inward, you know what a thorn is? It's a rose turned inward. That's what I've read. You know what cancer is? That's what I've read. That cancer is when a cell turns inward and doesn't multiply and turn outward. When a church turns inward and it's all about themselves, it is the opposite of Christ. This puts the church on the offense. It turns our face outward toward the world and the neediness out there. And uh, those cans, putting the Thanksgiving things that we're doing, the meal next Sunday, the outreach that we're doing, Yesterday we had we invited uh, people to Spicer Orchard. This is turning the church outward. This is what we need to do to be healthy. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That implies that they are afraid of us and they have closed the fortress down because they are afraid we will come and take the spoils of war. We should be knocking and banging on the doors of hell to retrieve and rescue and redeem. We should be on the offense, not the defense. So we go forward. A fourth thing this does is it creates momentum. Um, As you know, this thing of momentum we've mentioned before, but a, a train that's sitting on a track with no speed, you can stop it with a one inch block and it can't move. But a train that has momentum, once a locomotive gets up momentum and speed, it can break through a five-foot brick wall. That's what momentum does. These kinds of days create momentum. We are piggybacking on time change. That's what we're doing. We're just using that as a tool. Look, you get an extra hour of sleep. Let's use it. Because Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 says... Be wise in the way you are toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Time change, when you get an extra hour of sleep, is an opportunity. We're going to make the most of it. So we'll use it to invite people. It's like, look, you got an extra hour of sleep. You can go to church and get a free meal, and you won't even miss that hour of sleep. See, that's a tool. That's an opportunity. Colossians 4, 5, be wise, make the most of it. So let's do it. Number five, it obeys Christ. 
Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're just trying to obey him. If we don't do things like this, then what exactly are we doing to fulfill the Great Commission? What is our plan? See, I don't know how to do it. But I know not doing anything is wrong. So these are our attempts to obey Christ in the Great Commission and to reach new people. And then number six, it builds morale. These are things I've observed over the years. That when you get new people, they all show up at the same time, on the same day. you got this friend, you want to introduce them to people. It builds morale. And it's like new faces and, and fresh faces just inspire us to keep going and grow in Christ. And then the final thing is it matures Christians. It helps us to grow as Christians. The purpose for Jesus' coming was for lost people, lost sheep. We become like him when we take advantage of these kinds of things. Now, here's what I found. People need a specific reason to invite someone. In other words, it's, it, it's not like, hey, come to church with me Sunday. Really? Why? Uh, and you don't have a specific reason. But if you can say, hey, come to church with me Sunday, because, and give them a card. Give them one of these cards. We can have, we'll have these for you in, at, on the way out if you want one. Because you get an extra hour of sleep, and because we have a free meal, and it's going to be an awesome day and an awesome dinner. Oh, okay. See, it's a specific reason, and it's food. <laughs> it's a good reason. Free food. Now, so what, we're, what we want to do is put these tools. Here's the three tools that we'll put in your hand. Here they are. Information card. Potluck dinner. Extra hour sleep. Three reasons to come with me to church. That's your tools. That's the best I got to give you. Any others you got to come up with on your own. Maybe you have better ones. But these should work. Because you don't need... If It's like David's little stone. You know when David faced Goliath? Do you think it was the stone that brought him down? Did the stone bring, bring down Goliath? No, it was God behind that stone that made the... Stone hit the right spot, penetrate the bronze helmet, and enter into his brain and make him fall dead on the ground. So it is God behind this little card. It is God behind your humble invitation to a friend. It is God behind the potluck dinner. And that is, so we will be meeting Saturday night and praying for God's blessing on the whole day. We'll meet for prayer. Because we're just saying, Lord, put your hand with this. Because we know this is your heart. Now put your power where your heart is. So those are the tools that we will put in your hand. Now let me say this to you. Let me, let me encourage you to be bold. If you're unworthy, you feel like you're unworthy to invite anybody, you feel like a hypocrite. Make the devil mad. 
Stir the pot. Say, I don't care. What? It's like I'm sick. I don't want to invite people to the doctor. Look, everybody, the whole need not a physician, Jesus said. You need Jesus. They need Jesus. Sick people need to go to the doctor. So let's all go to Jesus. And let's all go together next Sunday and invite somebody else who needs him. Be bold. Invite somebody who's already said no before. Go at it again. Invite somebody that you don't even know. Invite somebody you've never invited before. Invite somebody that you think is totally uninterested. If you think of one Go after three. If you can think of three, go after five. I'm, t- I'm asking you to be bold this week as you think about next Sunday morning. Acts 4.29, the apostles said, gathered for prayer after they'd been let out of prison for preaching, and they, they gathered for prayer, for prayer, and here's what they asked for. Grant to your servants not protection, Not guidance, but grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. And that's what we can pray for. God, give give all of us a boldness. I've already called one family for next week that, that I was very timid in it. Because I know them, they know me, and we've had some experiences in the past. And I called them anyway. And they didn't say no. Also, we need greeters, we'll need extra workers, we need teachers, we need ushers, we'll need servers at the meal, we'll need helpers. And we need, of course, we need everybody to bring a dish with something in it. (laughs) In Luke 15... In verse 2, once again, you had Jesus being criticized for spending time with sinners. Here's what he says. This man receives sinners, said the critics, and eats with them. He, he's spending time with sinners and eating with them. Ugh. It would be like us uh, sitting down with an IRS agent. Or, or, or sitting across the table from a prostitute or a drug addict or a Democrat. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> it's, it, you're getting low down. And, and they said, this man Jesus, he receives sinners and he eats with them. Ugh. Andy Stanley, though, he has this great parable. He, after Luke 15, too, where they accused Jesus of that, Jesus said... If, you, if a man had a hundred sheep and one was lost, wouldn't he leave the ninety and nine go after the one that was lost? Everybody agreed, yeah, he would do, yeah, he'd do that. So is not a man worth more than a sheep? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, his, that was Jesus' defense of spending so much time with sinners. And Andy Stanley comes along and he revises that and he says, suppose that a man had three credit cards. And lo, one was lost. (laughs) Then do you think that 
he would spend more time with the two that is found than the one that is lost? No, he would become preoccupied with the one that is lost. He would be on a mission. And then if he found, perchance, the lost credit card, he would come home to his family and said, Rejoice with me, for I have found my credit card that was lost. And is not a man worth more than a credit card? Act like you lost your credit card because a soul is worth more than your credit card. See, God wants to stir our passion and rearrange our priorities so that we put our priorities where His are. I lost my phone some time ago. Now, my phone is not a smartphone. In fact, my phone, like my kids' phones, they can redirect the satellites in outer space. Their phones can bring an intercontinental ballistic missile through the doorway of an Al-Qaeda hideout. That's what they have smartphones. My phone would be called a dumb phone. All it does is make phone calls. But I, I lost my phone. And when I lost my phone, it's like, whoa, everything shuts down. I went to Starbucks to find it. I went to the church to find it. I went to the house to find it. I went back to Starbucks to find it. Nowhere. And besides, if somebody found it, how are they going to call me? I went back to the church, and a guy had found it. He, told, he said, oh, you looking for your phone? Yes. He said, it's up there on your off, in your office because I found it on the table. You'd left it laying on the table. Oh, I was so happy. I said, rejoice with me. I found my phone. <laughs> and people are more important than phones. How, I, so I'm going to ask you to give some time to this this week. Make, uh, tell somebody, say, Man, I am going to prepare a dish that you will love. What is it? I don't know. I'm, sometime this week I'm going to figure it out. But I want you to come with me Sunday. I will come and get you. Let them spend the night on Saturday night. See, Sunday morning starts on Saturday night. But do something. Be passionate. Give priority to it. And next Sunday morning, let's come in here with our friends and we'll talk about the Lord Jesus and the good news and then we'll, we'll go out and we'll eat and fellowship together. And what a great day. What a great day. Let's ask God's blessing on next Sunday and this week of preparation and pursuit and priority as we seek Him and the band can close us today. Pray with me. Father, we pray you will bless and put your seal of approval and your smile of favor upon this effort this week to simply reach out beyond these walls and reach new people, not because we simply want to grow or because we need to grow, or in, but God, because you love them and because we want to reach them and touch their hearts. Father, I pray your blessing and guidance and help, and I pray that that the children, the results, would vindicate the strategy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.